Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Church, if you guys got your Bibles, head over to Second Chronicles chapter twenty. That's going to be today. Second Chronicles chapter twenty. Now, um, let me set the um, stage for what I'm doing today because it's a little different. Um, if you've been around Lake Point, this is like my previously at Lake Point Church moment. Um, you know, before the the episode. So, uh, before uh, in the last two weeks, I preached a message on worship two weeks ago. And had a lot of fun doing it too. I just, I, I just gotta let you know. And uh, and there was uh, an incredible response from our church um, after that message. It, that message is probably the most responded to message I may have ever uh, taught before. And just to, you know, a lot of people were just like, "Man, I loved it, needed that, so helpful." And then it also just raised a lot of people had questions like, "Hey, so how do I apply that? What's that look like?" Or, "Hey, here's the tension I'm feeling." And then we followed it up three days after that with a uh, prayer and worship night. Where are all my folks who were at the prayer and worship night that night? And where are you at? That was, um, I'll be honest, that was, that was unique. You, uh, I don't know if I've ever experienced something like that um, that night. And, um, and after that, uh, there's just been this like steady stream of questions like, hey, something happened to me that night. And I don't, like, what, what happened to me? And, and so just lots of questions. Here, here's what I want to do today. Um, I, I want to preach the second part of a message on worship um, that I started two weeks ago. So uh, y'all okay with me teaching on worship again? Can we do that? Let's do it. And uh, let's, uh, let's just dive right in. So let, let, me, uh, let me start here. Um, it starts with uh, a, a passage out of Hebrews 13. We're going to do a lot of Bible today. Hebrews 13. Now, before I read this, um, I just want to, I always want to give credit where it's due. About 50% of what I learned today came from one of my best friends, a guy named Ryan Visconti, that's a pastor in Phoenix. And he started when he was teaching this um, out of this passage in Hebrews 13 that says this. It just says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Watch his language. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Okay, now um, for you Bible scholars, let me recap a little theology really quick. In the Old Testament, people would bring God sacrifices of animals or produce to show God and express their love for him. But then in the New Covenant, in what we call the New Testament now, Jesus came and Jesus was like, hey, I'm the temple to end all temples. I'm the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. So when he died on the cross, he put an end to the Old Testament sacrificial system. So now we don't bring God sacrifices of like animals or produce. We bring God a sacrifice. We're living sacrifices. Like we offer God our lives, our bodies, and our lips 
to openly profess his name. So now in the new covenant, um, when, we, uh, when we, uh, we offer ourselves to God like this, like um, when, we love, uh, when we love and serve people or you're serving in the church or serving in the world, you're offering God a sacrifice of time. You're bringing that sacrifice. Um, when we bring God our finances and our giving, when we bring our tithes and offerings, you're bringing that sacrifice to God as an expression of faith and love to Him. Um, the Bible says when we help the poor, when we help the needy, we're offering ourselves as a sacrifice to Him, and that pleases Him. And then this passage says this. It says that he, God also wants us to bring Him a sacrifice of worship, um, to, to lift up a shout of praise, a sacrifice of praise, um, to express our love to Him with our lips and our bodies and, and to express this. Okay, now, I want to do something really quick. Now, a lot of people, you, you might hear some of this, you may be going, oh, Josh, that's emotionalism. There's, being, um, there's emotionalism. No, no, no. This is biblicism. And here's what I want to do. I want to show you how biblical this is. Okay, so for instance, right here in Psalm 95, the Bible, uh, let me just read it. Oh, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Now, I'm going to emphasize a word for you. The Bible commands us hundreds of times to sing. Let me say that again. The Bible commands us hundreds of times to sing. So for instance, it's not about whether you feel like it or whether you got a good voice. Like that's why we keep the sound system up. Bless your heart. That's what, that we do all that. It, what, here's what it's about. God has commanded us to sing because it pleases him. So, so we do. Here's another one. Um, the Bible commands us, and this is where some people can feel uncomfortable. I'll talk about this. The Bible commands us to lift our hand, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless and bless the Lord. Okay, now I want to point something out. Did you notice that's not just descriptive of what they did. It's prescriptive of how God wants us to worship him in a way that pleases him. So we lift our hands. Now, we lift our hands for a few different reasons. Um, by the way, I'm a, I am a lifelong Cincinnati Bengals fan. Go Bengals. And so, uh, come on, man. I hear those three hands in a room. Come on, man. I, you're with me. I've been waiting 31 years for this day. Come on. And so uh, last week, <laughs> this is a total confession. Can I confess something? Um, it, last week, uh, I, <laughs> I missed the Saturday night service because I had business to do at 6 p.m. There, there was a Bengals playoffs game on y'all. And so when we kicked that last second field goal, I was like, yeah, man. You know, I was jumping up my room and hands in there. We lift our hands because, because hey, Christians, because we're winners. Like we, we've got victory in Christ's name. And, and so we lift our hands like that. Some of us, we lift our hands, like we said, like a witness in a courtroom to testify. We're going, we're singing lyrics. We're going, hey, that, that's true. Or like, hey, uh, I, I've, uh, I've experienced that. Or we lift our hands to surrender. Like, hey, God, I'm, I'm totally yours. Okay, now here's another one. Um, the, Psalm 47 just says, y'all help me out with this. It says, clap your hands. That's it. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God uh, with songs, uh, with loud songs of joy. So when we clap after a song, that's not like a small token of appreciation for the worship team for being awesome. That's not like... Good job, guys. Good effort. You know, no, no. no. What, what we're doing in that moment, like moms, will understand this. 
you clap to emphasize something. Moms, this sound familiar? Hey, listen to me. Hey, pick up, pick up your room, okay? Well, we can also clap to emphasize good things like, all hail King Jesus. You know, sometimes we'll clap because it's like, yeah, man, God is good. He is with me. Y'all cheered in the middle of this song like about, you know, five minutes ago because we were singing about the resurrection and an empty tomb, you know. And so we cheer and we clap to emphasize. Now, some of you hear that. And uh, let me just remind you of something. You're like, hey, yeah, but that, you know, that's kind of not, not me. That's just not who I am. Well, let me just remind us of something. It's not all about you. Okay, that's what we need to remember. It's not all about you. Did you notice in, the, in Hebrews 13, it says that we offer to God a sacrifice of praise? Uh, now, this never happens at Lake Point because we have an amazing worship team. But I've heard people say things like this before after a worship service out in the lobby. <clears throat> Man, I just, uh, I just didn't like the worship today. Okay, that's okay because we weren't worshiping you. Okay, you see, you see, a lot of people, they think that we come to worship to like receive. That, oh man, I'm here to get entertainment or for this, like impress me. You know, I hate that. Sometimes that's how I feel like y'all looking at me, impress me, you know. But, but it's like, hey, remember, we're not here to receive something. Guys, why are we here? We're here to offer something, a sacrifice of praise to our God that's been good to us, that's died for us, that's forgiven our sin. And so we, we, we do that. So I need you to remember, your worship is a witness that when, uh, when non-Christians and outsiders are in a service and they see people worshiping passionately, it does something spiritual in them where they go, man, something has happened to those people that hasn't happened to me. So your worship is a witness. Now, let, let me address this. Some of you guys, you may come um, from a background like mine. So remember, I'm a third generation Baptist pastor. Now, I need to be real clear. I did not learn this from my dad. My dad was always the guy like helping churches break free from the shackles of like dead religion. So didn't learn this from my dad. But I kind of picked up from some of the churches I grew up in that, man, it was like more, more reverent worship was more reserved worship. That like what was really worshipful was like silence. And, that, and I do want to acknowledge this. There are times to be still and know that he is God. But there should also be times where we express with our mouths and bodies what we feel in our hearts. And, and here's what's really reverent. You know what really reveres God? When we worship him like he's commanded us to do. Like that, that's, that's, that, that reveres God. And so here, here's what I know. Um, let me just kind of ask something that's got a bit of an edge to it. I, I'm just trusting that Lake Point Church, we're Bible people. And so we're, we're all on the same page. I just want to ask something real quick. Man, do you care more about being discipled by your denominational background or by Bible doctrine? And that's something we actually need to ask ourselves. Now, let me address this. As soon as I say that, there's some of you that are like, man, Josh, okay, I hear everything you're saying. In fact, I even see it in the Word. Like, I see, I can't, hard to argue with Bible verses, so I, I see it. But it's just not me, and it makes me uncomfortable. And it, honestly, it kind of feels like you're asking me to kind of be fake, okay? Now, I want to address that. And uh, here's what I want to do today. Um, I, I want to do it in this passage in 2 Chronicles 20. Here's what we're talking about today, okay? We're, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about today, worship is warfare. Worship is warfare, okay? Now, I want to start off uh, giving you a little object uh, lesson, uh, illustration here. What would you do if you knew that a violent criminal was planning to break into your house and rob you 
kill you, let's say your dad, and then destroy your family. So somebody was planning, and you knew it, to steal, kill, and destroy in your family. What would you do? Okay. There's a few things I know you'd do. All right. So like number one, you would call the police. You would reach out to a higher power for protection against an enemy. Okay. Number two, this is Texas. A lot of y'all, you would lock and low, baby. You come on, man. That's what you do. In fact, let me let me see this real quick. Now, uh, listen. All right. Now, um, I was gonna bring a gun, but I didn't want to scare all the California transplants. And so, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Okay. So this is the best I got. I got my old Louisville slugger up here. So you you know you be ready. You be ready to crack some skulls, man. That's you be you be at it. So you lock and load. You want to have the weapons on hand, okay? Now number three, um, you would. I'm gonna preach with this bat for a little bit. Y'all better stay awake, okay? <laughs> number three, uh, you would probably you'd go throughout the house and you'd check every single lock in the house. You'd want to make sure that the place was like locked down, guarded, secured tight. If you're like me, you go. You probably turn on every light. It's like, man, I feel safer in the light. Let me turn on everything that's there. And then uh, number five, what you do is you would, you probably like until the cops got there, you call some friends. And like, um, you wouldn't be calling like your poetry major friend named Sebastian. (laughs) By the way, if you're named Sebastian or you're a poetry major, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that at all. That's just not who we need in this situation. (laughs) You know, yeah, here you'd be calling like Axel, (laughs) T-Bone. You know, Bubba, you're calling like some very Texas dudes in this situation. We, in fact, we got some guys on our staff, that, on our church staff that are like, they're saved, but they're like barely saved. You know, it's like, it wasn't like long ago that they were like, you know, we, there's a true story. We got a guy on our Lake Point and Espanol staff who was saved out of being a gang member with the Latin Kings. Like, I'm calling that guy. Okay, that's who, I, that's who I'm calling. So you would do all this stuff. Now, here's what I'm pointing out. If you knew that an enemy was coming, you would take extreme measures to protect yourself from that enemy. Well, well can I just say something like st- really straightforward to you? That is the situation you are in. You're in that situation. So for instance, have you ever heard before that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? Okay, that's true. Here's what's also true. Satan hates you and has a wicked plan for your death. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything you hold dear. And he's coming for your faith and the faith of your family. That's what he most wants to destroy. The book of Ephesians says it like this. Check this out. It says, for we are not fighting. There's that warfare language against, watch this, flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So keep it up there for a second, okay? So some of you, you think your fight in this world is against people. You think it's against people from different backgrounds than you, political affiliations, uh, people with different skin colors. Guys, guys, listen to me. The Bible says, nope. Your primary battle is not against people. It's against spirits. Very specifically, Satan and demons that are real and affecting what happens in this world. Now, now notice this, okay? This says we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, these aren't natural enemies. These are supernatural enemies. Can, can I show you something? Watch this. You cannot fight supernatural enemies with natural weapons. If you're fighting a supernatural enemy, you got to have a supernatural weapon. And the Bible over and over again, what it shows 
is that the weapon in this warfare is worship. Worship is how we confront the enemy. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, um, pick up with me. I, I want to teach out of this. This passage is awesome. Okay, I want to teach out of this passage in Second Chronicles. Pick up with me in verse one, chapter twenty. We're going to read a lot of Bible really quick. Lake Point, we, we give it a lot of Bible. Are we that kind of church? We give it a lot of Bible? All right, I like it. Here we go. Verse 1. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and Meunites, the Cellulites, Parasites, and Termites. Everybody was there. Okay, all of them. All the bad people. <clears throat> declared war on Jehoshaphat. And messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazan Tamar. If you're looking for baby names, that's available. And when you're reading this stuff, just, no, just keep going, okay? And I uh, and, uh, uh, lost my train of thought. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. He's worshiping in his prayer. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, I just want to point that out, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. Now, really quick, I just, I'm going to address something, and I'm, I'm going to say something. I'm never going to address it again, ever again from this stage. Let me just say something, okay? So last week, after pictures, we, we crammed like 6,000 people into this 4,500-person room for our prayer and worship night. And pictures of that kind of started getting out online, and people started talking about it. And I just started getting bombarded with messages, mostly from people from other states, um, that were in a pandemic. Hey, can I just point something out really quick? So this passage specifically talks about the need to sometimes be in God's presence in a plague. And guys, listen, one second in the presence of God can change everything. One second in God's presence can change everything. So, so listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. I am a pastor and I refuse to pretend like worship and being in God's presence and Bible teaching is less important than going to restaurants. I refuse to pretend that that is true, okay? So I'm never going to say anything else about it. That, that, that's it. Now, here's what it says. We can cry out to you and save us, and you will hear us, and you will rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. Watch this. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. So they were scared and they didn't know what to do. And so what did they do? They worshiped. They worshiped. Now, have you ever been in this situation where it's like, man, I got no idea what to do. It's like, man, I don't know how to pay these bills. I don't know how to turn my child around. I got a medical report. I can't do anything to do. And you're like, I, I'm in over my head. Okay, now, let me tell you what I hate. Okay, here's what I hate. When you're in a situation like that and you tell that to another Christian and a well-meaning but really annoying uh, Christian says something like this, they'll put their hand out on your shoulder and they'll say something like this. They'll say, oh, brother. That's how they talk, you know, real religious people. Oh, brother. Oh, sister. They'll say something like this. God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay. Okay, when somebody says that to me, what I want to say is, will you please shut up? <laughs> will you shut up? Because the Bible doesn't say that. 
The Bible never says that he won't give you more than you can handle. In fact, if you read your Bible, what you're going to see is that God will absolutely give you more than you can handle so that you're forced to depend on him. He will do that in your life. And so at some point in your life, God will do that because he wants dependence in you, faith in you. He may give you a pain that you can't endure so that you have to depend on, on, the, on his strength like Job. He may allow a sin or a temptation in your life that you can't conquer so that you have to depend on a sufficient grace like Paul. He may, watch this, he may even, give me the next one, there it is. He may call you to something greater than your ability so that you have to depend on his power like Moses. He may allow a betrayal in your life, a relational pain that you can't take so that you have to depend on his pain, or on his love like David. He may allow a season of sadness in your life so that you have to depend on the joy of the Lord as your strength like Nehemiah. Guys, the Bible does not say God won't give you more than you can handle. It says he won't give you more than he can handle. And that's a promise that he gives you. He is never gonna do that to you, okay? So what happens is, when we get in that spot where we're in over our head, guys, you weren't designed to carry the burdens of your life. You weren't designed to do that. So how do you give them to God? In worship. Um, when I was uh, growing up in church, there was a, a song that we used to sing all the time. And it, uh, it went like this. Some of you guys will know this song. It's an old, old song. One lyric in the whole song. I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And any time that I don't know what octave, what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. Okay. Now listen. No, don't clap for that. <laughs> we got a worship team for, I'm going to stick to preaching. Okay. Now, now, guys, do you, you know, now sometimes when I'm in over my head, I'm like, God, God, I don't know what to do. I need to lead these people. I want to see a move of God. I got a family that I want to take care of. I want to do well with my kids. And I feel them over my head. I will sing that song or a song like it. And like sometimes like I'll cry. Like, I'll, you know, I'll, oh my God. I'm, I'm like weeping. But when I'm done, watch this. I feel better when I'm done. When I'm done, I feel stronger when I'm done. Do you know why? Here's what I've learned. I've learned that 15 minutes of true worship can erase a month's worth of anxieties. But because, that's right. Because watch this, when I'm, when I'm worrying, I'm carrying the burden. When I'm worshiping, I'm casting the burden on the one who can actually do something about it. So, so, so watch this. If you find yourself overwhelmed often, you might not be worshiping often enough. So here's the principle. God removes worry through worship. That's the principle. God removes worry through worship. Now, watch what happens when they did this. Pick up with me in verse 13. Here's, here's what it says. It says, all the men, I just want to park on that word. All the men of Judah with their little ones, wives, and children, they stood before the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon the men standing there, a man standing there, and his name was Jehaziel. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. <clears throat> For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. It's your job to worship. It's his job to win. That's what it says. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. 
Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, they did the same. Watch this. Worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, those were the pastors, they stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Now let me teach you some principles about worship from this passage. Number one, let me speak to you in a very straightforward way. The men led their families. The men led their families. Specifically, the men led their families to worship. Now, I'm going to say some things like in the next 30 seconds that aren't politically correct, but they are biblically correct, and I'm assuming we're okay with that. Okay? So here's where I'm going. Where are all the men at? Where you at, men? Where are my dudes at? Where are the dudes? All right, all right, all right. Now, see, by the way, you see that? You can get a hand up in church. You see that right there? You just did it right there. Okay. Now, for real, where, where are all the guys at? Let me see you one more time. Where are the men? There are the men. Okay. And now some of you are like kind of happy. If you're not sure, that's a whole different sermon. Okay, but that is who I want to, that's who I want to, I want to talk to the dudes right now real quick. Let me talk to the dudes, okay, to the men in my church. Okay, guys, we live in a culture right now that is in a full frontal attack on masculinity and any type of male leadership. Okay, so like right now, if you, like this happens to me, if I encourage to men to lead in the church and in their homes, I'm always going to hear it. You encourage a man to lead, oh, that's chauvinism, that's chauvinism. Or if a man steps forward to be bold and strong in any way, ooh, that's toxic masculinity. Okay, hey, Lake Point Church, can I just anchor something for us? Strong men are not the problem. Strong men are the answer. That, that's like, that's what we need. Guys, you, you know, like true toxic masculinity, when men use their strength to hurt, tear down, and abuse people, or when good men become passive in the face of evil, Toxic masculinity happens in the absence of strong good men, not in the presence of strong men. Because here's, here's what happens. When strong good men step back and begin to be passive, evil men will step forward to fill that vacuum every time. So strong men are not the problem. Strong men are the solution. So like men of Lake Point Church, let me just say this in a, in a really straightforward way. You need to know this. God has called you to be strong, to be bold, and to lead. Like, let me like literally quote a Bible verse. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians. It says, be strong, stand firm, act like men. So like this is, this is I'm gonna, I'll say that till the day I'm done, okay? So let me apply this. Men should be strong, bold worshipers, okay? Now, let me talk about this because this is where it's like, ah, I don't know, it feels weird, okay? Let me talk about this. In a lot of churches, what happens, like, the women are, like, really passionate worshipers, and the dudes are like, oh, I'm the strong, silent type, you know? It's like, I got my Starbucks in my hand, and that's just, that's, like, not my thing. And can I, like, confess church sins really quick? A lot of this, like, churches don't help sometimes. Like, they, churches sometimes, like, really feminize worship uh, this is literally a lyric from a worship song a few years ago. This is, liter- this is a, an actual lyric from an actual worship song. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe. <laughs> uh, feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. <laughs> I'm not singing that. I'm not singing that. I'm not singing that about another dude. I'm not doing I don't care who it is. I'm not singing that. And I'll be honest, I don't think I want Janice singing it. It's weird. That's a weird thing to sing even about Jesus. I'm like, nope, I'm out, okay? 
So because of that, because of like the feminization of worship, I think a lot of guys like misunderstand what worship is. Now, I'm going to show some pictures on the screen. Quick disclaimer. If you're a dude that loves to dance, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. That's a disclaimer. That's simply not the vision of what worship is that we're getting in this passage. Okay? So understand what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Okay? I think a lot of guys like they don't understand worship as warfare. And so when they think about worship, they get a mental image like this. They're like, oh, it's like expressiveness, you know, okay? No, 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 that's not worship. This is worship. It's like, yeah, like, bro, let's get at it. Let's do confrontation with, you know, with powers in the heavenlies. Uh, A lot of people, they they get this image, like this is worship. Like, ah, you know, okay, no, 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 no. Worship is this, this is, this is what worship is in spiritual. It's like bring in the special forces. Like, let's do this thing. Let's do it. It's not just expression, it's confrontation. So in the words of my buddy Ryan, he says this, it's not her ship, it's warship. And like, let me just say this, as a man, you have a responsibility to lead your family into spiritual battle. If you were in a physical battle, do you know what you wouldn't do? You wouldn't take your wife and kids and be like, hey, get out there. Y- y'all get out there. I'll be, I'll like, y- do your thing, and I'll be back here because I'm the strong, silent type. No, no, you'd be like, you would want to lead your family and be like, no, no, I'm in. Let me go first. Well, like, if we would do that in a physical battle, we should also do that in a spiritual battle. Like, we should be, we should, that's right, we should be men that are like, hey, so like, God didn't design you to be the strong, silent type. He wants you to be the stronger worshiping type. And listen, there is nothing more dangerous to hell than a church full of men that worship Jesus. There is nothing more dangerous than that. So like, let's get at that, okay? Now, this is where I could get a little uncomfortable, so let me, let me address something real quick. There's a lot of dudes in the church who, you've heard this in the last couple of weeks, and you're like, ah, it's like, ah, I, just, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, what, what are you saying? And where, where are you taking my church, pastor, okay? So let me, let me address, let me be a pastor, let me pastor my people real quick. Let me speak to three different categories of people, all right? So category one, there's some people you hear this and you're like, you're all in. You're like, yes, I've been waiting for this, like passionate worship. Worship starts and you're like on a roller coaster, hands up the whole time, you're in, okay? To you, I just wanna say like permission, like permission. Do not feel judged. Don't let anybody make you ashamed. Like lead us because you are worshiping biblically. So like Lita, that's like sit in the front, set the example, that's awesome. Now, that being said, let me give a disclaimer so we don't scare the Baptists. <clears throat> and so the Pentecostals don't turn us weird. <laughs> All right, now, some of you may hear that and you're like, well, which one are you? Hey, which one are you, Josh? Okay. Uh, somebody at Church Online, they described Lake Point as presbapticostal. And, and what that means is that we are predestined to speak in tongues at a potluck dinner. That's what, that's what that means. All right, amen. All right. Now, so let me give this. Here, here's my disclaimer, okay? Disclaimer, disclaimer, right there. Freedom to worship passionately doesn't justify being disorderly, okay? This is 1 Corinthians 14.40. It says this. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So I want my passion to stir up your passion, but I don't want my passion to take your eyes off of God and onto me. Um, when I was a, uh, a pastor at a, you know, a church for a couple hundred people in a, in a school, um, there, was a, uh, there was a lady that started coming to church, and every time worship would start, she was bringing like these really large flags. And, yeah, some of you know where this is going. And, uh, and a tambourine. 
And as soon as worship would start, she'd like get out in the aisle and she would just start like, you know, okay, that's, that's, I'm, I'm not gonna dance for y'all, okay? I'm just not gonna do it. But she would, you know, it's just like, do the little thing and I can do a little bell kick here and that kind of whatever. That, but it was just like very, you know, tambourines and, and flags. And, and I had to, as a pastor, I had to confront her and be like, hey, you can't do that here. Because, and, and some of you hear that and you're like, well, who are you? Who are you to tell her how she can and can't express herself in worship? Well, two things. One, I didn't, God did. 1 Corinthians 14 says everything needs to be done in a fitting and orderly manner. But, but number two, can I speak in a really blunt way? I need to, some people need to be reminded of this. You say, who are you? I'm the senior pastor of the church and it's my job. Like that's literally my job to make sure that people don't do things that distract other people from Jesus. And so let me just say this, I, that being said, let me just say, I would rather have to occasionally pull you back than constantly stir you up. I'd rather have an occasional moment of correction than a consistent culture of apathy, okay? Now, category number two. Some of you are like, you're not all in. You're like hesitant. And last couple of weeks, you're like, ah! You're like, okay, I see it in the Bible. And it, I know it's like you're pointing out Bible verses and I, it's hard to argue with the Bible. So like, I get it. But you're like, I wasn't raised that way and it's really uncomfortable to me. And Josh, doesn't God look at the heart and it just feels fake to me. It feels fake. Can I just, let me give a gentle pushback and then I want to affirm something you're feeling. Okay, gentle pushback on that it feels fake to me. Okay, okay, yes, it's fake for you to be like, okay, for something that it's like you don't, you know, you're not into. Okay, that might be fake. Because here's what's also fake. I love God emotionally, but I never express it physically. That's also fake. So like, let's avoid both fake, both sides of fake. So here's what I'd say to you if you're like hesitant and you're like, this is just not me. What I'd say is, hey, listen, the pressure is off. No one is judging you. We are under the law. We are not under the law, but under grace. The pressure's off. You're, you're totally fine. So what I'd say is progress, not perfection. Just take whatever is the next step for you that feels comfortable for you. So for instance, if you're like the, the silent, angry, hold your coffee and scowl dude, listen, I'll even let you keep holding your coffee. Just put a smile on that face, bro. Just give us something. Just take that step. Okay? If, you're, if you've been like, man, smiler, you're coming in with a good spirit, maybe you just start to sing for the first time, just mumble some lyrics. If you're a mumbler, maybe you start singing a little louder. If you're a singer, then it's like when the time's right, it's like, bro, let's go. Let's cheer. Let's praise Christ. Okay? And then some of you like the whole hand raising thing. That's the that's a weirdest thing of all. It was, it was for me, I'll be honest. And some of you, here's what I say is like, man, just, just find, pick your spot. And just see what, see what God does. Maybe you sit in the back and at the right time, you're just like, you're this guy. You're like, okay, okay. Bah, 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 uh. Do anybody see that? <laughs> and that's it. Like just take whatever is the right next step just for you and you'll be fine. Okay, now let me talk to category number three and a fair warning, I'm gonna have a bit of an edge to me real quick. Category number three is there's some people who you have a cynical spirit inside of you, a spirit of cynicism. And you're looking around and you're going, this is uh, a little much. Uh, really what this is, this is just young people being emotional, all this rah-rah, you know, all this stuff. And you're honestly looking around, you're going, these people are probably hypocrites. In fact, you may see an individual in a room and you may be going, this guy, look at him worshiping. I know that guy. His marriage is struggling. His language is, is a disaster. Let me, do, can I say something to that real quick? Guys, listen to me. If we've been forgiven more, we've got more reason to worship him, not less. 
So, so listen, the more we've been forgiven, the more reason. If you had a hard week, if you struggled to follow Christ, you walked in under the full and free grace of Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, you got more reason to worship him, not less. Don't let anybody make you ashamed for you expressing gratitude for God's forgiveness in your life. Never let that happen, okay? Now, I do want to point this out. If you got a cynical spirit on this, check this out in Acts 2. So there's an outpouring of the Spirit, and it says everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. I don't have time to talk about that. God uh, supernaturally allowed them to preach the gospel to languages they didn't know to help the gospel go forward. And, and the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Watch this. But others, y'all say the word for me, but others mocking said they are filled with new wine. In other words, they sat back and watched these people experiencing the Spirit, and they went, Pfft. Somebody had their breakfast beer this morning. Okay, now, here's my point. Whenever there's a genuine move of the Spirit, there's two types of people. People who experience it and people who mock it. And the people who mock it never get to experience it. So, so watch this. There's a group, they, sit, they come on Saturday night, they sit right over there. They're, we're our regen ministry folks. We got any regen ministry people in the room here? That couple, all right, I like it. All right, they're all on Saturday night. They sit right over here, and that's our recovery ministry, Hurts, Habits, Hangups. And guys, those regen folks, they worship like they got saved from something. And so here's what will happen is I'll be in the lobby sometimes, the first time it happened, uh, somebody grabbed me and they just said this with a little kind of sheepish, slightly judgmental smile. Man, those regen people, um, they get a little crazy, don't they? A little judgmental. And if that's you, can I just say something to you? There's something you don't know about people who worship like that. Here's what you don't know. That person was an addict, and now they're free. That's what you don't know. Okay? You, you didn't know that. You, you didn't know that. Or... That, that woman's son was in juvie, and today he's worshiping with her in church. You didn't know that. All right, here's what you didn't know. That guy was suicidal, and now he's got a hope, and he's got a future. You, you see that? Do you know why all these people who are around you, do you know why they worship? Because there was a time in our lives where we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and Jesus Christ made us alive by the power of his Spirit, pouring out his blood, and he set us free. So, Yeah. Excuse us if we get a little crazy. We're worshiping like we got saved from something. And can I just, let me just say something to you, like with a bit of an edge to it, and I'm do some confrontation. Listen, maybe you'd be better if you focused on giving God the praise he deserves instead of judging theirs. Maybe you'd be a little better off if you did that. So, so that, that's what, now watch what happens when we do this. Let me land the plane right here. Watch verse 21, pick up with me. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. So he put the worshipers in front of the soldiers because we got to win the war in the spiritual before we wage it in the physical singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed them all. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they started attacking each other. So when the army of Judah, God's people, arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And now this, here's why some people are cheering right there. Here, let me just go ahead and give the point. Because when you worship, God turns the places of battle in your life into places of blessing. 
That's why your job is to worship, his job is to win, all right? Verse 25, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, it took them three days just to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing to this day. So the king put the worshipers in front of the soldiers, and they didn't lift up a sword or a spear. Here's what they lifted up. They lifted up a shout of praise. Do you know why they did that? Because worship is how we win the war. That's how we win a war. Now, let me land a plane right here. So beginning of the sermon, I said if you knew an enemy was coming to your house, you would call the police. When you worship, you are calling down a higher power, God Almighty, the sovereign maker of heaven and earth, to come and fight on your behalf. We said that you would lock and load. You would arm yourself. When you worship, you are arming yourself with every spiritual weapon, belt of truth, a helmet of righteousness, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of faith, all these things. We said that you would check every lock in your house. When you worship, you are guarding your heart by reminding your spirit, God is with me and here's what's true. We said you'd turn on every light in your house. When you worship, you're letting the light of Christ come in and drive out the darkness in your, light, in your heart and in your home. And then we said you'd call your friends. When you worship, you are alerting the commander of heaven's armies to send in reinforcements. God, I need you. Would you please come? And so listen, worship is how we win the war. So, so hey, let me, Lake Point Church, would you go ahead and stand with me? Now, we're, we want to wage some battle right now. And let me do this. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't get ahead of me. All right, let me do one last thing. So a week and a half ago, we gathered in this room. And between people in this room and people online, over 12,000 people gathered to lift up a shout of praise. And we called on God's name in prayer. And here, let me show you. Here's what that room, here's what that room looked like that night. Okay, that, that was that room, okay? Now, that's what you saw in, with your physical eyes. If you could have seen with your spiritual eyes, here's what I think you would see. Here's what Satan saw. It was like, let's go. Let's go. We were raising up a battle cry. And so right now, man, Lake Point Church, let's, let's lift up a shout of praise to the commander of heaven's army. Let's do some more. Let's do that right now.
thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.